These numbers should scare every parent. One in four kids receives a sexually explicit text or email. One in seven send a sexually explicit email or text. And one in 10 forward a sexually explicit email or text. These numbers are astronomical. Today, we're going to talk about what to do and how to protect our kids. I'm Dr. Christy Wise, and this is Life Sauce. Dr. Wise, today's subject is quite serious. Uh, Our children are being exploited. Um, Revenge porn is becoming a bigger and bigger phenomenon in this country. As you mentioned in your opening, uh, kids are both sending and receiving sexually explicit material. What they may not realize, or they do and just don't think it's going to happen to them, is that once it's up there on the on the internet, it's there forever. And it can have devastating effects throughout their entire lives. Give us an understanding of just how big a phenomenon this is. Oh, it's, it's so big. And of course, you know, we, things have changed because everything is online and in a world that we, you know, we don't have control over. And once it's out there, like you said, it's out there forever. So you know, it's become quite an epidemic and not just for kids, you know, to experience embarrassment and shame and, you know, in their little worlds, but across the world, right? It's just something that doesn't ever come down. So the suicide rate has gone up, depression, anxiety has gone up, and not all kids know what to do or how to manage it or who to go to if it happens to them. This whole thing has had devastating effects and kids fall into these uh, situations without even knowing that a situation exists. And and it takes many forms. Um, A a couple dating decide they want to take pictures or take videos or somebody convinces them over a FaceTime call that uh, they should take their top off and Show me your body. Don't realize it's being recorded. All these things are happening. It, it seems innocent. It's happening mostly to, to young girls. They feel the pressure to want to please yes. the guy. What are the danger signs? How do you, these kids, let's talk about the kids first. Don't even bring the parents into yeah. it right now. How do kids first begin to protect themselves. Well, it is, you're right. It's, you know, they, she wants to please him. There's some courting going on. There's some trust being built like, you know, or, or she doesn't even know that there's being screenshots taken. You know, she's trying to show that she's, um, valuable and sexy and all these other things. So she's trying to prove that by taking pictures or impressing him. And so I think knowing the signs is when, you're doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable or like I would tell my kids, if you didn't want it printed on the front page of the newspaper, then you should think twice about it. Right. But it's, if we, if we pay attention to it, we feel it in our gut. Do you know that discomfort? But so often, even though they may feel a twinge that this isn't quite right, Right. they still do it. They have at that age, particularly have few inhibitions and they, comply and the results can be as we know devastating and like you mentioned many young girls have committed suicide because they don't have 
uh, a place to go, or at least they don't think they do. Right. So maybe the short answer is never take your clothes off. Right. You know, right. And that, but that's not going to happen, right. Right? right? So what should these young kids do? Yeah, I think that they should um, be able to, one, talk about this stuff with their parents, or parents should talk about it with their kids, so that there's some education about what's happening, um, and that the kids know that if something happens, that there's a place they can go. The laws have changed, but kids don't know the laws have changed, and they haven't changed all the way in all the states yet, so it's not like we can educate them on what's illegal and what's, you know, what is and is not. And so I think that sense of self is probably more important now than it's ever been in that they can feel independent and take care of themselves in a world that doesn't always take care of them. Another big thing that's happening, and of course this often, unfortunately, comes at the end of a relationship. The, the young boy and the young girl have enjoyed each other uh, they've had some camera fun, they've taken videos or pictures, and then there's a tragic breakup. And so now all of a sudden, the guy wants to release those pictures out into the universe. Um, revenge porn uh -huh. is what we're talking yeah. about here. And it's unfortunately becoming increasingly prolific. Um, and, and laws come into play here, but as we know, in so many states and so many cities, the laws are either weak or aren't being enforced. So you're downrange a little bit here within the relationship, and all of a sudden it turns south on you. What, what's the remedy here, and is there a remedy? Yes, well, you know, unfortunately, that is the case, and I think that a consequence, a powerful, strong, non-negotiable consequence needs to be enforced so that people know that is not something that you can get away with or something that you can do. You know, it's like in our society, we know that murder is not okay. It's something that you are going to be severely punished for the rest of your life for. I feel like there has to be a consequence that is non-negotiable, no matter what. Let's talk about before the fact and after the fact when we bring parents into the picture before the fact, before something uh, serious happens. What should parents be telling their children? And, and the scary thing here is you can't watch your kids 24-7. So what's the best advice they can give their children? Right. I think that knowing your child, looking for the signs, but the advice is, you know, to... You know, we're uncomfortable having these conversations, but just because we're uncomfortable as parents doesn't mean that we shouldn't still do it. And it's kind of like bad on you if you're too uncomfortable to communicate or wait too long to communicate with your kids. That's just the truth. You know, that's our hang up. It's not there. So it is our job to educate them to the nth degree without sugarcoating it. I mean, not being overly dramatic, but to be honest about it, you know, if they're, if they're uncomfortable going to school to zit on their face, imagine what they'd feel like, you know, having that, you know, having their naked pictures plastered across the internet. And that's the truth. So I think that we need to be not so skittish as parents, whatever your values are, that's okay, but that we need to educate them. Is this one of those moments when a, when a parent should really scare the hell out of their children because of the dire consequences? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, this is the sad part. Yes. Scare the hell out of them because it's the truth. It's the reality. Do you know? And for kids to even know the reality, know the statistics of kids, what happens to them, you know, depression or suicide or anxiety or body image issues. I mean, on and on, that's really the truth, you know? And if, if you've never been exposed to the truth, then how do you really know? I know this is a, like a little side note, but you know, we know I, I teach sex therapy a lot and, and write about sex issues a lot. And one of the things that as my kids were growing up when I was doing research, you know, there's one of the books is open to what, um, uh, genital warts or crabs look like, you know, like up close. I know this is a weird conversation. I took a left turn, but when those kids actually see what genital warts look like or see what crabs look like up close, I promise you it's a vision that they won't ever forget. <laughs> and so it's, but, and it's the truth. That's what they look like. And so I guess that's where I'm going with this conversation is telling the kids the truth about what's happening and how to protect themselves is no different than teaching them about stranger danger. It is important. So should they bring uh, visual aids to the conversation? And I don't mean like the, the, the crabs image, but um, <laughs> there is a lot of places they can go. There are a lot of places they can go to get the statistics of um, what the aftermath has been in cases of revenge porch, what has happened to the, the, the victim yeah. and her life. Um, so should they gather those facts and rather than just the parents saying it, because you know, teens are with their parents, yeah. um, should they bring those things to the conversation? Yeah, I wouldn't mind researching it. I mean, like having parents research it with their kids or, you know, sitting with them and going through interviews because there are kids who have given interviews when it's happened to them. I know there's a lot of documentaries like Pornhub, you know, this. there's a lot of documentaries that you can be watching with your kids or researching with your kids. That way it becomes a let's get educated together on this. It's not me talking at you. It's me talking with you. And I think that that's a wonderful direction to go. Let's talk about now after the fact. The revenge porn has happened. And we know the statistics on a lot of these girls just end their lives because they don't know a way out. Um, my, my guess is uh, on, this, on your first answer is that parents should not start shaming the child and making things even worse, what should be the first response from the parents after this happens? Yeah, well, first, you're right, not shaming them because that's certainly not going to help the situation and likely hurt the situation. So making sure that they know that you're there, consoling them, supporting them through that initial conversation is the most important, and then reporting it to your local authorities. We have them citywide, statewide, you know, our country, and I know that it's, the system is not always easy or comfortable, but it is important that they see that you're doing everything with them as a parent that you need to do to try to protect them going forward, that there's a voice. And this also teaches them how to be, have a voice for themselves. And should they be saying to the, to the child, uh, you are the victim, this is not your fault, Maybe you made a couple of mistakes inadvertently, but you were victimized by somebody else. Don't let that person victimize you further. That's right. Victimize you further or victimize somebody else, 
right now you can do something with the hurt that it's caused you. Now we can help impact other people too. And I think that then all of a sudden there might be some power and some strength in that thought, not just about, you know, me being the snitch, but me helping and protecting and empowering other women or girls that have gone through this. It kind of changes the flavor. You talked a moment ago about um, uh, what should happen to those who are doing this sort of thing. They should be punished. And you can send them to jail for the rest of their lives. However, those images are going to be out there forever as well. And there are attempts and people who claim they can claw back a lot of this material, but you can never get it all out. And and that really is the, the aftermath of yeah. all this. And kids need to know how this affects their lives going forward. Not just the shame, having to lower your head when you're walking past a group of your friends at school, but how it affects you career-wise and relationship-wise and school-wise. You're going to miss out on getting into the right school because, as you know, admissions departments and colleges now yes. are searching everybody's social media. Uh -huh. you're, being, you're being studied yes. before they ever go any further with uh, acceptance. Oh my gosh, that's such an important point because I don't think that people realize that they are being studied, that their names are being Googled, that their social media is being looked at, all prior to entering into a job or into a college or university. And the regret of those decisions to impact your future is lifelong. Do you know what I mean? It's like a journey that I coulda, shoulda, woulda had. And so, yeah, knowing that this is not something that's just going to impact you for a few days or a few weeks, but likely for your life, you know. And at that same time, if, if, it, if it were my child, if it were my client, I would say we, if that happens to you, then we have to figure out how to use it for you instead of against you. Maybe on those co college applications, you're talking about the experience and what you've learned and the, the difference you want to make. Like that you are not just hiding from it, but that you're doing something to stop it, to impact it, to move things forward. You could say a lot of things to teenagers and in so many cases it goes in one ear and out the other. And even after you explain to them what the dangers are and what, what the aftermath will be and, and the negative residual effects, they seem, a lot of them anyway, seem to want to do it anyway. What's yeah. going on in a teenager's mind right. when they just blow past all the documentary evidence that this is not a good thing and they do these things anyway? Yeah, because, and you said it exactly, what's going on in their mind? You know, our frontal lobe is not done cooking until we're 25, 26, for some guys, 27, you know, it's later for men than it is for women. That's impulse control, that's decision making, that's l literally the stuff that has kids do stupid shit. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And so I tell kids, my kids, my clients, no lifelong decisions till you're past 25. If you want to do it when you're 27, 28, 29, okay, then it's on you. But when your brain is not done cooking, your decision-making and impulse control are wreaking havoc on you. That is why kids do stupid stuff and why we as parents have to know and be educated enough to know 
that we're not, we're expecting them to have a fully cooked brain and they don't. This is literally because they're not done cooking. Kids like to flirt uh, and they do it online because it seems less than in your face and, and personal uh, and it's something they think they can get away with. Uh, but it's not really, is it? I mean, girls are sexting, guys are sexting. They are doing it at an increasingly earlier age than they used to. What has changed in our culture and, and with our kids that has forced this? Yeah, we've become so dependent on our phones, on social media. We know, I mean, that it's become so outrageous and so off the charts that people have stopped learning how to connect or just flirt at the mall like we used to do when we were young. And when you take your phone in the privacy of your own room, it feels private. It feels like it's just between the two of you. And there's so much desensitization because of what's already online, you know, whether it's porn or social media. So we've become very desensitized to it. So I say if you want to go, if you feel comfortable doing, taking that picture in the center of the mall, you know what I mean? Like that, it's that same feeling because you're not alone in your bedroom just with your phone. You're online with everybody. But we have become very disconnected from that experience. It wasn't so many years ago that if you wanted to buy a, a Playboy, you had to be a, a certain age and it was behind the counter with a wrapper over the... Uh, <laughs> right over the cover and and now every kid is exposed to porn it's there it's ubiquitous you you you're never gonna stop a kid from being inquisitive and exploring and my guess is that that has just totally desensitized kids to what is really going on there yes oh and it has and you're right and and that's why the idea of you know the kids not being edged educated about it is so it's disappointing because it's it's really being in denial about what they're being exposed to. And I think the idea is to teach them at least enough of sense of self that they can decipher the difference between what they're seeing online and who they are and what they want to experience in their lives for themselves. Do you know? So I'm a parent and I, I come to you as a counselor with my child who I, I found out has been sending pictures and, and sexually explicit texts and, and emails. And that parent wants you to cure their mm -hmm. child right. from ever doing this again. Right. Where, where do you start? Right. Yeah. Cure the child. I'm going to tell you, if the coaching really has to happen much more with the parent, you know, yes, that child needs to be educated, but that what you've just described is exactly what our problem is is handing them over to somebody to teach, to educate, rather than having the courage to learn yourself. And if you're afraid to learn it, imagine how your kids must feel. So I would do the work. I would do the coaching with the family. I would. And yes, spend time with the child and, you know, look on about people-pleasing and that sense of self and all of those things. But really, I, I would probably work with the parents all of us who ever attended grade school, middle school, or high school, and even college, of course, have experienced peer pressure. I mean, it's it's there. It was there when we were kids. It's there today. It will always be there. How do you teach a kid? How do you counsel a kid to 
I don't want to say ignore it completely because that's almost impossible, but how to defend yourself against it, how to bolster your sense of self and your Mm -hmm. emotions and your sensibilities so that you can begin to glide past that. Yeah. Yeah. So supporting the kid in things that are meaningful to them, I think is probably more important than people realize. You know, as a parent, we're like, oftentimes we live vicariously through our kids. Like my kid, I played football. Now my kids are going to play football or I was a beauty queen and now my daughter's going to be a, whatever that is that we need to pay attention to what drives and motivates and excites them because then they can become, so to speak, the authority of their own world. And when you're proud of something that you do, when you feel like you're good at something, it's easy to be a leader in that thing. So for kids to then, you know, be with like-minded kids instead of trying to fit in with kids that they don't fit with, um, I think is an amazing start. If we done a disservice to our kids as a society by just totally desensitizing them from almost everything of value, it's like everything is fair game now. There is nothing you can't show or say or do anymore. And that just sends the worst possible message to our most impressionable individuals. Yeah, it does. And we do do that. And even worse, we support it. So you talked about college for a second. And just the college application process, all of a sudden, the kids have to be good at everything. They have to be on a sports team and volunteer and get a 4.9, which I don't understand. It used to be 4.0. Like, why are we, why is the number getting so high? They have to be good at everything across the board instead of being authentically great at what they love. And I think, so I think, yes, we do a huge disservice because the message to them is do it all, be it all, or else you're not good enough. Dr. Weiss, how do you tell a kid keep their clothes on. Mm, I say exactly that. Literally. And I was talking to my friend earlier about this, that, you know, I say, we have to speak their lingity. We have to, we have to know who our audience is, know your child and know what lands with them. You know, I was using the example of your kids being embarrassed of listening to our music for me, you know, if I'm listening to the eighties or whatever it is, and I'm all excited and singing loud, they could be embarrassed five blocks away because they feel like they look a certain way, right? It's the imaginary audience at that age. Developmentally, that's that age. If they're embarrassed about a song I'm listening to, the conversation is imagine being embarrassed about being naked in front of the world. Like, know who your kids are and speak their language. What does that say about a a guy, a young teenage boy, who is asking, maybe even demanding, that his girlfriend expose herself to him. I mean, yeah. there's the obvious reasons. It's, it's, it's all hormonal and, 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 and sexual. But uh, it must say something else about that person that they need to have that additional satisfaction. Well, yeah, and even more so, it can be a game for a lot of boys. Like, you know, I actually know of boys who play games and get score points for how many pictures they get, for the quality, the kind of pictures that they get, you know, all of that stuff. And and it's become, you know, to them a game instead of it being horrifying or shameful or, you, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we've glorified it in a lot of ways. And because there's not that much of a consequence oftentimes, 
you know, they're, they get pumped up by their friends or they feel worthy themselves. If a girl wants to send that picture to them, they must be worthy of that or sexy themselves. And so their self-worth is based on that rather than who they are as human beings and the impact they're having on somebody else. Do, do kids carry that sort of sensibility through their entire lives? Yeah, they can. Absolutely. And if it's not something that they work through, you know, the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment can be profound. Um, what's the best advice you would give parents of teenagers today? Yeah. What are the warning signs um, they should be looking out for? And do you think that um, uh, parents should be limiting uh, the amount of things you can do on a, on a smartphone? I mean, you can set, put settings on it. There are some things that they should not be able to do, should not be exposed to. I don't really quite know how far they can take that sort of right. thing. They, as we said earlier, it's a 24-7 sort of situation. Right. They can't always be there. But they've got to start someplace, and they know it's a reality. Where do parents start? Yeah, they and they do know it's a reality. And, yes, we can put things, you know, spy apps and turn off the internet and there yeah there's lots of things we can do but kids are smarter than we are they will figure out how to sleep at someone's house or do something else they just will um so you know yes we should teach them our values and you know have enough in their lives that their their life feels full and meaningful not just based on who they are socially and who they are to their friends, but that there's meaning in their lives, meaning in their family, meaning in their tribe. That's hugely important. So yes. Um, but I also think that, you know, being honest about what they're being exposed to and your concerns as a parent is massive. We have it all backwards. We spent all this time parenting our toddlers. And by the time our teens can drive and they're like, oh, they're fine. Are you home for dinner? We get very casual. We get tired. We get lazy. And we should be parenting literally the opposite. When, you're, when you have a teen in the house, they need you more than they ever needed you. And this is the time people go back to work or vacation for a long time. I say pay attention and reverse it. Yes, you want to be there for your toddler, of course. But your teen needs you more than more than they did almost when they were a toddler. This may sound draconian, but should should parents be able to um, monitor their kids' texts and mm. emails and um, social media sites? Yeah. I mean, no kid wants that. They want their privacy. Right. Uh, but should that privacy be earned over time? Right. Well, it should be earned, yes, because, you know, I feel like, you know, there's a, there should be logical consequences, period. That's why I don't think that we parent all kids the same, right? But I also know that to not teach them that you trust them, that you have faith in their decision-making, if they haven't made mistakes, if you haven't caught them doing things, then yes, continuing to honor that you trust and respect them and that, you know, even though their impulse control is wild and they understand that, they understand because you've taught them that, you know, they have to think twice about the decisions they're making because they're not done cooking. But if you cannot trust them, if they have, you know, gotten in trouble before for these sorts of things, then the consequences have to be logical consequences and parents have to stop looking the other way. Do you know, a lot of times parents will blame the slutty girl or 
the group of friends as just a bad group of friends or instead of saying, no, my kid made these decisions and these choices, I need to wake up as a parent. Do you know? So you find out that your your son or daughter has been sexting and, and so on and so forth, uh, even if you're not monitoring closely, but you casually find out one way mm-hmm. or the other. What what is a proper consequence for that? Mm. What what teaches them a lesson right. so that they don't do this again? Right. Well, it depends on the kid, that's for sure. Some kids can crumble just by a dirty look, right? Other kids, you can lock them in their room and they would climb out the window. So it certainly depends on the parent and the values of the, you know, you know the, the household. Um, but I think that it has to fit that child, you know, and not, not any one thing across the board, do you know? Because what we're not trying to do is cause more damage, to them, to their sense of self-worth, making them feel like a piece of shit for making decisions when their decision-making is off anyway, but more so, you know, promoting maybe self-growth or a growth mindset. You know, if it were me, I would probably have my kid get involved in volunteer work, or we would go to, you know, talk to or interview people who have been through it, or I would get them actively involved in something that they find meaning in instead of just talking at them. We both know parents who are excessively permissive uh, with their children. Um, What are the dangers there? Oh, gosh, so many dangers. I mean, not just to the, yes, to the kid, that's, that seems obvious, but, you know, the regret as a parent to look back and think, what was I doing? Why was I so afraid? Why, why was I not wanting to be the strong parent? And I get it. I mean, I, I, I get that we, you know, we're not good at all things. And the truth is we do the best we can. We try to do better than our parents, but we're not in the place in our society that we get a lot of leeway because our kids are at risk. And so I say that, you know, you have to love somebody, love your kids enough, love yourself enough to not, be liked all the time. We can't be our child's best friend, and I think too many parents try to do that. Yeah. And, and also seems to be generational. Younger parents these days want to have a buddy instead of a son or daughter, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't work um, because very few limits, very few boundaries are, yeah. are being set. And so the child begins to think, it's a wild west out there. I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. And that leads to so many difficulties going forward. So many difficulties. I also think that, you know, because they look grown up, because they, you know what I mean? Physically, kids, boy, it can be scary. You could see a 13-year-old and think that she's 21 and not have any, you know, any clue at how young she is. So I think that we're, it's deceiving also. And we have to remember that they're, they're still young people. They still have their lives in front of them. And it's our job to do our best to do what's right. And it seems like an impossible mission to stop them from doing these things online because it is so pervasive and the peer pressure is there. Um, and the, But the results are so potentially tragic that we as parents have to do something. There needs to be some sort of prophylactic to stem this before it gets out of control. So in conclusion, Dr. Wise, is there a, 
a shorthand message you can give to parents to help them at least begin the process of wrapping their children in safety? Yes, yes, open your eyes. I mean, I know that sounds so basic, but we're so accustomed, you know, to blaming other people. When something's good, we think we do it. And when something's bad, we think it's their fault. Do you know? And so the biggest thing I can say is look at your kids, pay attention, open your eyes. If you have questions or you want more information, make sure you go to our website. That's lifesauce.com. That's life-sauce.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm Dr. Christy Wise. Thank you for joining us.